Hello, welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. I'm Dolly Barker, and I'm very excited that you've joined me today. You know, I want to take a look at some scriptures that will benefit us, you know, as we hear the Word and hear it being taught. We continue to eat the Word of God, and we grow, and we literally mature. And it is such a powerful process. You know, so many people in the world today think that all salvation was was the ticket to heaven. Oh, I'm saved. I don't need to go to church. Oh, but my goodness. All that was was you were born again. You know, there is a process of maturity. This, the world is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, waiting for those Christians who understand that they are kings, waiting for the the children of God to rise up in their anointing and, and, and take over and run this world for Jesus. And so we've been using um, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 as our kind of master text for this series that we're doing. Um, it says, and the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are a three-part being. And one of the very important things for you to do is to save your soul. Once you got born again, you spiritually became alive to God. And you are in perfect unity with God, spiritually speaking. You have everything. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're sanctified. You're redeemed. You're, you're everything, spiritually speaking. Your flesh is at complete enmity against God. It is an enemy of God and it is in rebellion and it is, it's lusting and it's just getting you in trouble most of the time if you're not in control of it. And then you have your soul. Your soul is your, the part of you that is so similar to your spirit that it's very hard to tell the difference between the two, but it is you as an individual. And we want to save that part of us. We want to take that part with us into eternity. Um, we're going to talk about that today, and I'm going to show you um, how we can do that. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 2, the end of chapter 2 is talking about, verse 14, it says, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. So what that's saying is, the Word of God is spiritually discerned. You want to read the Word of God and process it and receive it spiritually. Now, people in the world, people that are not born again, people that do not have the Spirit of God um, helping them understand the Word of God, it is going to be complete foolishness to them. And that's okay. They're, they're not supposed to understand it. And so it's okay if they don't. Don't get into fights and try to tell everybody what they ought to do because that's just a... They're, they're fine. Just pray for them to get saved. Amen. Um, so whenever we're looking over here at 1 Corinthians 3, he's talking to people that he's trying to explain this scenario to them. He says in verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now he's talking to a church that's been serving God for a little bit. But when he comes to see them and visit with them, he can't even talk to them about spiritual things. He has to just talk carnally to them because they're still babies. They're still Christian babies. And you know what? There are so many Christian babies laying around that have not grown up, that have not learned how to be potty trained. They have not learned how to 
handle their business, to walk, to, uh, to become um, productive in the kingdom of God. And um, they bought a lie. They were deceived and thinking that all it was was just a ticket to heaven. That's all salvation offers you. And here they sit, and now they're stuck with no victory in their life. They have no understanding of anything. They blame God for everything that they're doing. They're making horrible choices and doing crazy things, and then they're blaming God. And, I mean, it's just, it's just carnal. It says in verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, and neither now yet are you able. You know, you have to, you can't feed an infant a piece of meat. They would choke. It would, it would you know, not be healthy for them. So you have to feed them just milk until they grow up and they learn how to eat even, to chew food, to swallow. You know, I mean, there is a big difference between a baby and somebody that's grown enough to eat some meat. And so he's, he's telling them, you know, I, I just keep giving you milk because you, you're not growing up. It says in verse 3, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there's among you envying and strife and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? You can be a Christian. You can be saved and spiritually connected to God on your way to heaven, yes, but still living completely carnally because you're following your flesh. You're living no different from the way the world is living. And that is not the way it's supposed to be. And um, the Bible tells us to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Then if, if we're supposed to be leading the world into the kingdom of God, into all the things that Jesus taught, then we have to be obtaining the promises because they're supposed to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So if you're not actually doing those things, people will not, are they're not going to follow you. And so we need them to follow us because we're trying to lead them into a closer relationship with God, into a mature, active relationship with God where he can flow through them and do mighty works and save his people and, and have to come to pass what he wants to come to pass in this earth. <clears throat> in verse 4 it says, For while one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, aren't you carnal? Okay, so if you're like, you know, well, we're Baptists. Well, we're assemblies of God. Well, we're, you know, whatever it is, we're going back and forth and we're, we're acting carnal, debating, you know, who's right and who's not right. You know what? This is ridiculous. It says, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? They're ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know, that's a beautiful thing. Over in Psalm 62, 5, it says, My soul waits thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. You know, I listen to so many ministers. I listen to so much preaching, and I love it. But I listen to a variety of different ministers. But I'm not listening to them because they are my salvation or because they're my answer. I'm listening to them because... They're hearing the Word of God, and they're preaching it, and it's feeding me, and I'm growing and maturing, but my hope, my expectation is coming from God. I'm receiving from God, and the, the person is just the vessel that God is flowing through, 
And so it's very important that we at least recognize that and we get past all this bickering and and carrying on about, you know, who's right and whose doctrine is better and all these things. That is totally carnal. There is no difference between that than what you see in the political sector of society, all the arguing back and forth and we're better, we're better. Oh, we're the one that's right for you. Oh, well, they're wrong and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. That is complete carnality. And, and because that is so carnal, the church acts the same way in a lot of ways. And it shouldn't be that way because we are not without hope. We are not independent out there alone by ourselves trying to figure out what to do. We are one with God and he is feeding us. He is taking care of us. He is leading us. Everything, our hope is coming from God. Now, God can talk to me through a variety of ways. I can read my Bible. He can talk to me. I can go to church. Excuse me. Listen to my pastor. He can talk to me. I can go to prayer group. I can listen to radio. I could hear... I could hear somebody on YouTube, or I could listen to a podcast, or I could do... God will speak to me in many different ways, but I'm seeking to hear from God, not to hear from people. Now, some people are preaching in a way that it applies to my life. I relate to it. I understand what they're saying. The way their experiences and the way they explain it minister to me in a very positive way. So I prefer certain ministers over other ones just because of the different type of anointing and because of my current circumstances. But as I grow in the Lord, I've noticed over the years that those people change. I'll be listening to these particular people, these preachers or these ministers, and I'll be getting so much out of it. And the next thing you know, it's almost like you've grown. You've, you've, you grew and you, you kind of got past what they were teaching. Like you totally get it. But now you've got this other area over here you need to get some victory in. And so the next thing you know, you find, oh, this man over here, oh my gosh, he is so anointed. Listen to what he said. And you're just like so excited again because you've tapped into a source that's feeding you again. And so it is very important that you know that your expectation is coming from God. You're looking to God. He's the author and the finisher of your faith, and you need to hear from the Lord. The people that he's using, praise God for them. But you're still looking to hear from God. So he says in verse 6, God gives the increase. So verse 7, so he, the neither he is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God gives the increase. Now, he that plants and he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And and that's important to know. If you're sharing the gospel with people, if you're in the grocery store and you stop and you're talking to somebody and you're witnessing to them, or you're out at the side of the road and something's going on and you pray for somebody, or you have an encouraging word for somebody, or you post something on your social media and you've shared a word that helps somebody out, you're going to get a reward for that. But still, you should be hearing from God. You know, God should be flowing through you to do those things. And so they should be expecting to hear from God. And I know how important it is to have likes and views and followers and all that stuff. But the real important thing is, is what you're saying, what you believe God is saying to you. And that is very important. 
Verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, and we are God's and, and you're God's building. So you are God's project. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Okay, <clears throat> well, let me read one more verse. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, this is amazing because what he's saying is Jesus Christ is the foundation for all your spiritual growth. Jesus Christ is the foundation for everything that you're going to become in the Lord. I've heard people preach a lot of things about, you know, how you can get to God some other way. And I'm sorry, you cannot get to God any other way unless you are a Jew and you have fulfilled the entire law and you have never broken one commandment. Now, that is the only other way to get to God besides through Jesus Christ. Because our sin separated us from God, Jesus Christ came and paid for our sin and so at the name of Jesus, you may enter in into a relationship with God and be born again. That's how you get saved. That is the foundation. If you do not have that foundation, then you're not holy, you're not purified, you're not, you're not clean enough for the Lord to come and live in you. There, the wages of sin is death. Death had to occur to pay for sin. But the sacrifice had to be pure and holy, and only Jesus could be that. And I can explain all that about the virgin birth and all the things that were required there and how all sin came from Adam, and so he wasn't born of Adam's seed, so that's why he was able to be our, our sacrifice. But you need to know there is only, because even, even the Jewish route, you're going to be a Jew and you're going to do all the law, no, you're not. The Bible says all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So right there, that's not even an option either. But, you know, you be you if you're Jewish and, and you're trying to do the law. But I'm telling you, if, if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And your sins will be forgiven you. And then you can walk in the presence of God. God is so holy that sin cannot stand in the presence of God. It would obliterate it. It would, it would, it would dispel all sin. And if you had sin in you, it would destroy you when the dispelling started. So you need Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of an eternal life. And this wasn't our plan. God had a plan, and it was prophesied throughout the entire Old Testament. And all those things came to pass in the life of the same man. The odds of that happening, I heard one time that the statistics, I can't remember the number. It was such a huge number, but it said, imagine the entire state of Texas a foot deep in silver dollars. And one person gets one turn to reach into the state of Texas and pull out a silver dollar and there was only one in the entire state that had an X on it, the chances that you would grab the one with the X on it, that is the same odds as all the prophecies in the Old Testament, or just like eight of those prophecies, all come into pass in the life of the same person. It's astronomical. And here God prophesied over and over and over about Jesus, and he fulfilled every single bit of it. So that's one way we know that Jesus 
is the Son of God. And he was the one that was prophesied of because of the prophecies. So that's just a side note. But um, so you, that is your foundation. You can't do anything in the kingdom of God until you're born again, until you're spiritually alive to God. Now, once you're spiritually alive to God, you should get water baptized to deal with your flesh. You should receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You need the infilling of the Holy Spirit because it is what gives you the wisdom and the power and the direction, the communion, the fellowship. It opens your eyes, reveals things to you. I, I'm telling you right now from personal experience, I don't know how you're going to do this apart from that. And I grew up in two different denominations. I was involved in two different denominations my entire young life. And both of them taught against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if that's where you're at today, I understand. But you need to seriously seek the Lord and say, God, I need you to reveal this to me in a way that I know that it's you revealing this to me. Because if you have something more for me, I want it. I don't want to let the devil come in my life and mess me up and knock me off track. This is the kind of conversation I had to have with God about it because I had been taught against it. But, you know, God showed me scriptures. God showed me stuff, revealed things to me. And when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden I could read the Bible and understand what it was talking about. It made all the difference in the world. So I very much encourage you to do that. Okay, in verse 12 now, so you've got the foundation laid, which is the most important part to any building. And we have that because Jesus Christ is the foundation. But it says in verse 12, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. So that means there's a bunch of different ways you can build on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Um, every man's work shall be made manifest in the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work and what sort it is. Um, so what that's saying is you're going to build on your life now. So I believe in Jesus Christ. I have a foundation and now I'm going forward and I start reading the word of God and he reveals something to me. And then I apply it to my life because the Lord showed me something and I do what the Lord is showing me to do. Well, as I do that, the enemy is going to come against me and try to steal the word. You know, I'm going to have obstacles. There's going to be, you know, just my, my past will try to come up against me. Distractions, temptations, all kinds of things are going to come up against it to try to steal that word that I'm trying to sow in my life trying to steal that word that I'm trying to act on and to acquire something by faith. You know, when I first started out, I wanted a, I, well, first of all, I needed hope because I was suicidal. I, I wanted just to kill myself. I could see no way that God could take my life and do something with it. I, there was no way. Everything was stacked against me. I didn't have any advantages that I felt like I needed in order to accomplish what God called me to do. And so there I sat, but he gave me hope. He revealed to me that even though my parents thought I was an accident, God knew 
that he wanted me here. He showed me the scriptures. He started walking me through it. The next thing you know, I'm walking around. I have hope. There's a future. There's an expected end. There's something I can do. and Nobody can do it as well as me because I was designed to do it. And all of a sudden, you know, I've got these gifts. I've got these callings and things just start clicking. I am literally building on my foundation with gold and silver and precious stones. I'm applying the word of God. I'm obtaining the promises and things are going great. Then I look around. I don't like my marriage. You know, we were young. We had kids. It was stressful. We were broke. I mean, he made good money, but we were maxed out in credit and stuff. And it was hard. And I did not know how we were going to survive much longer. You know, I mean, it was at the end of the rope. And then God showed me his word and taught me how to submit. And I'm telling you, I just say this passing right now because for a lack of time, but I really was so offended when God told me to submit to him just because he was the man. And I'm telling you, oh, I had such objections to that. And, and I had to overcome that. I had to trust God because he said, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. I could submit to Jesus, but I couldn't submit to my husband. So as unto the Lord, I submitted to my husband because I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do this for him because I'm really doing it for you, Lord. I'm trusting you, Lord. And I built again on that foundation with gold and silver and precious stone, you know, those are ways when you take God at his word and you believe it by faith and you apply it to your life and you're trying to understand and grow and develop. Then I had to go through what I didn't really want my kids. I was young. They were a burden. I didn't know what to do with them. I could, I was thinking I'm bound to this prison term for 18 years because I can't kick them out of the house. I can't get away from having to take care of them until they're 18. I mean, it just I'm, I had to be honest with God. And then he had to show me that they were a blessing from him. He wanted me to get to understand how much he loved his kids. He wanted me to get to experience that firsthand. So he gave me these awesome kids. But I couldn't see the benefit of them. I couldn't see the blessing in it because the enemy had perverted my life and twisted the way I thought about things to such a degree that everything was robbed from me. And so as I started trying to build on my life and, and create a world that would be pleasing to God and to give myself victory, it was I was building with gold, silver, precious stones. Now, there are other things in my life where I was building with wood, hay, and stubble. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't getting it. I wasn't, I wasn't trying. I wasn't doing this. I wasn't doing that. And what happens here, it tells us, um, in verse 14, if a man's work abide, which he built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Okay, so there's going to be a fire that's going to come. There always is the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. You're trying here to save your soul. What that means is you're going to need to get your mind lined up with the Word of God. You're going to have to get your mind to decide today, we're going to follow our spiritual life. We're going to do things God's way. I'm not going to do things according to my flesh. I'm going to put my flesh down. Hey, you know what? We're going to fast today. And boy, you don't realize how strong your flesh is until you decide we're not going to ever have another Dr. Pepper. Then you'll see how strong your flesh is. When, when you decide, hmm, yeah, I'm not going to eat chocolate for six weeks. Or when you decide, you know, when you tell your flesh no about something, 
you will then understand how strong your flesh is and how much your flesh is in control of your life. But the thing is, as long as you're following your flesh and you're making decisions and building on your flesh, even though you're saved, even though you're born again, that is building with wood, hay, and stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble when fire comes on, when the trial of your faith occurs and the fire is applied to wood, hay, and stubble, they burn up. But if you apply fire to gold and silver, now I don't know about stones, but when you apply fire to gold and silver, what actually happens is it doesn't burn up and dissolve, it purifies it cleans out all the impurities that are in there and it becomes even stronger. It becomes clearer. It becomes better. And so as you're building on these things in your life, as you're understanding and growing and trying to become what God's called you to be, you're going to build these things. You're going to step out in faith. You're going to try to do things this way. And the enemy is going to come. There's going to be a trial of your faith. It's not a trial of you. It's a trial of your faith. And so as you go through that trial, you're going to either save your soul. It's going to purify it and keep it, or it's going to burn it up. But look at what it says. We, we, this is good news. In verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, what's important here to understand is you're still going to be okay because your foundation is, is solid. You got this foundation. You're good. But however you build on it, you can suffer loss of those things. Now, we're talking about here your soul. And there's going to come a point just in the future when you get to heaven and you're standing in front of God who, by the way, is an all-consuming fire, there's not going to be any right judgment or wrong judgment. I mean, when you stand in front of a blazing fire, anything in your life that is not of the Lord is not going to get to stay in heaven. That's going to be burned off. But the part of you that has lined up with the Lord and you have saved that part of your soul, it will be purified and you will have a reward. That is so powerful. It says that. Verse 14, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And then in 15, But if any man's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself shall be saved. Now that, because you're born again, you're going to be saved. You're going to get to heaven, but you're going to suffer loss or, or you're going to have reward. And we just think of it as, oh, well, somebody's going to get a hat and somebody's not. I don't, I don't think we need hats in heaven. Now, maybe he's going to give us hats also. But I believe when he says we threw our crowns down at the Lord's feet, I believe it's because when we bowed down, we had a crown because we had a soul and we saved that soul. And now we are submitting it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is going to be so beautiful. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, there's no tears in heaven. There are going to be a boatload of tears in heaven because God has to tell us that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. 
I do not want to get to heaven and have a have to cry about things because I missed it while I was here. This is the time of our pilgrimage. And that's the problem with what I see happening in the church worldwide. Not uh, so many. I don't want to give numbers or statistics because I don't have them. But I, so many people are just going to church to punch the clock, just to socialize, just to, and they just bicker and complain, and they just they just get rid of that pastor because he's teaching something we don't like. And uh, I mean, it's just carnality, and there's nobody growing. Nobody's building on a foundation. Nobody is establishing the kingdom of God. You know, it's just become part of, well, uh, just let's be honest about it. They just decided that going to church is not even essential. And in this country, look how many people just didn't go. And you're like, what? When, you know, when they decided to take prayer out of school, well, now, you know, we have rapes and murders and, you know, I mean, you know, that was the trade-off. You know, I don't know, I don't know, I know God is waking people up now. He's given me words I've had to say, and I didn't even want to say when, you know, last time I had to post something, I was crying because I just felt, you know, like, oh my goodness, I, you know, but I know what the Lord is saying. And it's time for the church to get it together. And it's time for the church to grow up. You know, there's a job for us to do. And it's not all just full-time ministry. Only one of the 12 tribes of Israel were called into full-time ministry. The other 11 tribes were called to run the world. Maybe you're, maybe you're called to run education. Maybe you're called to run politics. Maybe you're called to run entertainment or medical, or there's so many different things you could be called to do. Maybe your calling is to be a stay-at-home mom. The thing about it is, whatever your calling is, you still need faith and you still need to obtain the promises of God so that you do the job that God has given you to do effectively and, and it's productive and it is a benefit to the rest of the body of Christ. It, and it's not a matter of, well, you know, they're a great this or a great that. Paul the Apostle says, you know, we're the least. You know, that's, that's, that's not the goal. The goal here, you're not a big deal. You're not a bigger deal than somebody else because you're a preacher. You might be a huge deal in the kingdom of God and you're being a hairdresser. And then somebody else is a preacher over there and they don't even still know that they're supposed to be doing anything and so they just really took the pe- preaching gig as a job and they, they, you know, they're not even seeking the Lord. You know, the hairdresser could be so valuable in the hands of God and what she's doing or he is doing to impact the world. And so it's not a matter of what you are in the natural. It's are you fulfilling what God called you to fulfill? Are you accomplishing what God is telling you to do? And it's always going to be something you can do. It's always going to be something that's manageable. That or the Lord would it wouldn't be righteous if God told you to do something you couldn't do. But he's going to lead you and guide you into doing those things that are going to help you to build on the foundation that Jesus Christ has laid in you. 
What area of your life? You know, I had to do that. I had to sit down with the Lord one day and say, God, because I was told by a preacher, because I thought everything in my life is so messed up. I don't think I can get my life together. I had so many problems. I was drinking. I was doing drugs. I was, you know, it was, I cussed like a sailor. You know, I'm just so proud of myself right now that I, I do go longer periods of time now without cussing somebody out. But I had so many issues, and, I, and a preacher told me, he said, listen, no, don't worry about it. God's going to work with you in one area of your life at a time. Just find out what area that is and get victory in it. And I thought, okay, I can do this. So I went outside, and I got in the hammock, and I laid there for a while, and I was praying and talking to the Lord. What one area do you want me to change? What do you want me to do? And do you know... He told me to quit gossiping. I'm telling you right now, I did not even know that I gossiped until the Lord spoke that to my spirit that day outside on that swing, on that hammock. So I'm like, I don't gossip. So I went on a little journey and realized, well, golly, I guess I do. I can't have one conversation with somebody where I'm not talking bad about somebody else. And I didn't even know that about myself. And to top it off, that was the area of my life that God wanted to deal with. He never said anything to me about drinking. He never said anything to me about drugs. He never told me to quit smoking. He never mentioned to me to quit cussing people out. But he asked me to quit gossiping. And I didn't understand that. But once I figured out how much I did gossip, I thought, well, wow, I do see that this is a problem. But what I didn't understand at the moment when he was telling me to quit gossiping was that he was taking me on a journey. And I was going to spend the first couple of years of my walk with God as an intercessory prayer person. And had I been a gossiper, he would not have been able to reveal things to me that I needed to pray about. If he had not gotten me to stop gossiping and then he would have revealed things to me that I knew so that I could pray about them, I could have really hurt some people. And so the thing that God wanted to do in my life was not a carnal thing. It wasn't something that, you know, religion tells you you can't do that and still serve the Lord. I did everything and still served the Lord until long time later when I realized some things about my own life and I asked God to help me shut some doors. But he, he didn't bring that up. And it's important that you know that. The thing that God probably wants to do with you, you're not even aware of it. The enemy is such a manipulator. Your biggest problems are not the things that you can see that are obvious. They're not the things that the world is screaming that are so wrong with everybody. It's going to be something that you're going to need the Lord to even show you what it is. But as you hear from him and you get in his word and you try to figure out, well, how can I do that? What do I need to do to turn that around? You know, how, how can I? And he had to teach me how to not gossip. It was a process. But he wants to take that process with you. He wants you to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He wants you to build something that's gold or silver, or precious stones. Because when the trial comes, he wants it to be purified. So someday when you stand in front of the Lord, it's going to be a reward for you for eternity. Eternity. 
and it will be worth everything. Eternity's a long time to not have parts of your soul. That's a long time. And you know, there's a lot of different positions in heaven, and I'm not going to get into that right now because I'm really out of time, but I wanted just to encourage you. Your walk with God is going to be an individual journey. Don't try to do what I did. Don't try to step out tomorrow and say, oh, I'm never going to gossip again. That might not be a problem for you already. You're going to have to seek God. This is a personal journey. Your foundation's been laid. Now we've got to build upon that foundation. We've got to learn and grow and become what God's called us to be. We've got to grow up. We've got to grow up. You know, you can't let the, the kid go outside and mow the yard when they're too little to operate the machinery. We have to grow up to the point where we're a benefit to the kingdom of God. What is a mother to do when she has a million babies and nobody can sweep a floor or, you know, mow the grass or walk the dog or anything else? The church needs to grow up. And the way we're going to do that is by understanding what God has for us because life gets good. Life gets really good because God will bless you and increase you and make your world work. Amen? Listen, I'm so thankful. I'm really thankful that you tuned in and I'm blessed that you, that you listened. And I want to encourage you. God's got a great plan for you. And I just believe you're going to be able to do this thing. And when you get to heaven, you're going to just hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Well, I will see you next time and you have a real good week. Thanks.